It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Before we continue this conversation, <laughs> it is all. now the noon hour. And the is. noon hour of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show is brought to you by Call It Companies Championships. See your favorite golf legends play in the Call It Companies Championships July 12th through the 16th. It's going to be at the famous Firestone Country Club. It's fun, family-friendly events all weekend long, everybody featuring a new fan zone experience, free attendance for the kids, and concerts every night. There's something for everywhere. And learn more at callitgolf.com. My man, Ant can't spell a Nelly. <laughs> you give, you're giving it away? Me. You're giving it away. Look, Anthony real quick, though, real quick. It's talking about haters. I hope the nickname suggestions are better than your stadium suggestions, Mike. All right, hash browns. <laughs> <laughs> so we still waiting on Bucky Brooks uh, from NFL.com to join us. But uh, Jason knows this. I think you all know this. For me, it's Sherwin-Williams Field. Yeah. I just think that Sherwin-Williams is a, is a staple in the city of Cleveland. Everybody see the new headquarters that's being uh, built at Public Square, so clearly they're going to be here for a long time. And I think that when you when you think of Cleveland Staples, you think of the Browns, you think of companies like Sherwood Williams, I think it would be a perfect marriage. It's not bad. I, if, yeah. Of the companies that would be in the bidding, I, I don't know that they are quite big enough. I guess maybe they are to be able to write that size of a check. You know, I thought of the Cleveland Clinic, but University Hospitals is a partner to the Browns and the clinic is tied in more to the Cavs. Uh, so I don't know that they would cross allegiance and I don't know university hospitals wants it's naming on, I, I don't know, uh, but that'd be another one. But uh, I pilot flying J just makes too much sense to me. Yeah. I mean the new building downtown of Sherman Williams is going up fast and I think it's giant. Yeah. And it looks like it's going to be really, really, really nice. A lot so. of people be buying paint like that. Apparently so. And yeah. we need more. We I, so we need many more, times. Man. Yes. When I talk to, business leaders when I talk to even sports executives in this town like that's what we need we need more companies to bring headquarters here to bring to bring jobs here and I even I was talking to Jimmy and D about that at the owners meetings a couple months ago and he kind of laughed and said well I don't think we're bringing pilot here but they have done quite a bit in the business world uh, in terms of trying to help Cleveland. We've talked about developing the waterfront and everything else like that. But how is it? I don't even see a flying pilot, Jay, in, in nowhere in greater Cleveland I saw at him, all. I saw him all the time in Tennessee, and I know he's at gas stations. Yeah. yeah, they're around. I don't never see him in Cleveland. Yeah, there's one. Uh, there's I'll look it up. What's one right it? by me. Really? Yeah. I've never seen one of them. That's crazy. I seen one going to New York one time. The I'm closest going. one's 16 miles away from WKYC Studios, which is downtown, so it's probably the one by me. Do you, do you? Uh, in Richfield? No, I thought there was one. Maybe I'm mistaken. I thought there was one in Avon. Is Avon closer than 16 miles? Oh, there, there, your, yours is uh, on Colorado Road. Yeah, 20 to 20 miles. Oh, okay. so the second oh, closest one. So, there so do you? And there's one in Burbank and Seville. You feel like, like, say for instance, like if him and MD wanted to go in there. Can they just like get coffee and roll out without paying or probably? Yeah, they don't ever pay for gas. Can they just can they just pull up in the pump and just get it off? Like, how does I, that work? Do I they got to tell I, the guy? I don't know. I'll have to ask him. I'll ask ask him. him next time. Like if you want to roll up, like if you rolled up, like when's the last time you paid for gas? I yeah, think the exactly. last thing Jimmy has was worrying about is paying forty five dollars to fill up his car with gas. <laughs> like, I, that dude's got a lot bigger issues to worry about than forty five dollars on gas. He's got a new stadium. He's got his investment with the Bucks now and what to do with Giannis. Messi to the MLS, Columbus yeah. crew money coming in in bunches. So anytime I think 45 you, bucks, he'll, he'll be all right. Anytime you own a natural resource, like if you own gas, oil, electric, or any hydropower, you're filthy rich. Yeah. Jimmy has some fits in that category. <laughs> and the next guest who we're bringing on now is Filthy Rich when it comes to knowledge. It is NFL.com's Bucky Brooks. Bucky, thanks for taking some time to join us today. How you doing? I'm good. How you guys doing? Great. We are doing good. Appreciate you uh, joining us here on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. We talked about your article last week, Bucky, when you did your all-breakout defensive team for 2023 and Grant Delpit, the Brown safety was on that list. We read through your explanation. We, we discussed it ourselves. 
What do you see from Grant Delpit, and why do you think this year, 2023, will be the year he goes from being a solid contributor in the Browns secondary to a potential breakout star in this league? Well, I mean, I think it's part of the maturation process. I think now he's entered a point where he kind of feels good about what he's doing. He knows exactly how to play the game. He has enough reps under his belt that uh, he understands how to put himself in a position to make plays. But then I think the new scheme will also help him. With Jim Schwartz coming in, giving him an opportunity to be real aggressive, Schwartz is, look, he's already talked about being a, a team that brings five or more players all of the time. And so that's going to create uh, opportunities for turnovers and takeaways. And so with Delpit going all the way back to his time at LSU, the guy knows how to see ball, get ball. And so when you put that kind of defender behind the talent that Cleveland has up front, he should be able to make a ton of plays. I'm looking forward to it. You know, Bucky, one of the things that I, I was we were talking about on the show a, a couple of weeks ago was, you know, at the time when Deshaun Watson, if you go back and you, you rewind the clock and you go back and you look at um, his trajectory in the, the playoff game where um, Patrick Mahomes comes back from the, the huge mm -hmm. halftime uh, deficit. At that time, Deshaun Watson was looked at in that same stratosphere. He was looked at as a guy who has some of the same characteristics, some of the same traits, and thought about he had that same upside. You go, you flash, you fast forward to today, and now it seems like there's a there's a perception because of the six games and the layoff that he does not have that same ability to get back to that that point. Where do you think his what do you think his trajectory is in terms of making it back to the place where he is mentioned in in that top five type? Uh, rarefy air in terms of quarterbacks. Well, one, he certainly is a top five talent. He's been a top five talent since he stepped in the league. His last season in Houston, uh, he was outstanding. And on a 4-12 and team, and he put up, like, numbers that you don't typically see from a guy who's quarterbacking and losing his squad. Taking the year off certainly hurt because he had to work through the rust. Missing uh, 10 or so games last year, the suspension hurt because he couldn't get in rhythm in a new offense, in a new scheme. But I would say the biggest part that probably hurt Deshaun is the fact that, and I will equate it to when LeBron James went to Miami and everyone was mad at LeBron after the decision. And LeBron tried to play the role of the villain. LeBron had never been in that role. He had always been beloved. Well, Deshaun Watson enjoyed a similar plight. This is a guy that has always been beloved by the community wherever he was. Having to be caught up in the situation that he was in the 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 hate and the virtual that he was getting from the outside look man it's hard for someone who's never had to deal with that kind of hate to play in the midst of that i was in jacksonville that first preseason game when he ran out and he was booed he's never had to deal with that kind of stuff i think now he's probably more comfortable in his own skin where he can kind of refine and rediscover who he was as a person and player and i think we'll see a better version of deshaun watson now that he has kind of worked through some of that stuff. I want to talk about, ask you about Miles Garrett. We spent about 20 minutes talking about Miles at the start of the show. And do you, it just feels sometimes like there's a, another gear that he has to get to, or is that being unfair to him because he's such a terrific player already? Nah, look, I've seen this firsthand. So when I was working with the Carolina Panthers, we had Julius Peppers yeah. and Julius Peppers was one of the best pass rushes that you could find, but we always, wanted more because he made the game look so easy and I think sometimes what you do is you don't appreciate how talented the player is that you have because you're always hoping that they can give you even more than what they're giving you Miles Garrett is a superstar much like Julius Peppers was and so the thing that you're talking about I mean he has I'm looking at the screen he has 16 sacks yep. and we're talking about what else could he do yep. I just think sometimes when guys are so talented and it make it look so easy that you feel like they haven't completely uh, emptied the bucket. Well, maybe he's just that talented and maybe he is just able to get his business done without exerting the kind of energy that it takes others to do half of the production, half of the performance that they're able to get. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. 
If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. That's a great point. And Bucky, we were talking about Miles earlier. We were going through the numbers of where we thought it would be a successful season or a disappointment in terms of sack numbers. And we all sat up here and was like, well, if he doesn't get 16, it's a bad season. It's a disappointment. We look around the league. And, and that's insane. One guy last year had more than 16 sacks. Nick Bose had 18 and a half. And that's just the bar he set for us. Speaking of bars and expectations, though, we here in Cleveland, and I know we come from a fan perspective, think the Browns roster is supremely talented. One of the best top-to-bottom 53-man rosters in the league when they end up making cuts and coming at all the different position groups. There's only one that I think we look at and say it might not be at least league average or better. From an outsider perspective, do you think Cleveland has one of the more talented rosters in the NFL top-to-bottom? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's been the thing. And I think that's why everyone was a little surprised and perplexed last year when it didn't kind of play the way that we thought it would play out. The suspension certainly was a part of that. But no, the expectations in my mind are that uh, the Browns will be one of those dark horse contenders that emerges. We've seen it the last couple of years. We saw Jacksonville kind of rose up. We've seen it in previous years where the Cincinnati Bengals came out of nowhere and became a Super Bowl team. Uh, The Cleveland Browns should be in that kind of conversation. Uh, when you look at the talent that they have offensively from the offensive line to the running back in Nick Chubb to the playmakers they have on the outside to Deshaun Watson, if he returns to form, they have enough offensively to get it done. But I think the defensive part is where you have an opportunity to take this team from good to great. And what Jim Schwartz is able to do with the people that they have, Zazaria Smith picking him up was a huge get because now you have a veteran presence opposite of Miles Garrett, someone that kind of understands how to play the game, someone who's going to be buy, who's going who's going to buy into the stuff. We heard the stuff get sideways a little bit with Jadavian Clowney. Well, now you have a defensive front line that can do it. Secondary is loaded. You have playmakers at the second level. So yeah, this team should be a team that you talk about ten or eleven wins at a minimum based on their talent. And then it's about putting it together, getting hot at the right time, and playing great football down the stretch. You know, I when we look at the AFC. Um, we, we talk about the roster and how great the Browns roster looks on paper. However, you go down and you look at the other AFC teams, and I mean, I've never seen a collection of quarterback play. Like, I mean, you, you look at mm-hmm. from the top of, of the, you know, the food chain with Patrick Mahomes, even guys that you're, you're looking at, you know, with, with Derek Carr and, and, and guys like that that are that are very capable of winning games and putting up numbers. Just right now in, in context, how good is this quarterback, you know, class and quarterback you know, conference in totality w- when you're talking about um, the AFC? It's hard, man. It's tough. It is going to be tough because it's an arms race in the AFC. When you think about the quarterbacks that are just there, we can talk about Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is there. Somewhere you got to throw Aaron Rodgers in the mix. Tua Tagovailoa went healthy has been in that conversation. Russell Wilson is expected to bounce back under Sean Payton. Uh, we talk about Deshaun Watson. I mean, we're talking about everywhere. There are all these quarterbacks. And so, man, the, the gauntlet that you have to run through to climb to the top of the AFC is tough. And you not only have to have a quarterback, but you've got to have the playmakers and the defense to go with it. So, yes, it is a very competitive deal, a very competitive landscape. And so, Everyone who's kind of predicting who's going to be whom is really hard to see because when we play it out, I mean, it's crazy. And I, I didn't even mention Lamar Jackson. Yeah, That's how crazy right. it was. I didn't even mention Lamar Jackson. So just think about all of those quarterbacks that we're running down and how, man, you got to be in line. If you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance in the AFC. So when you mention all these teams and all these quarterbacks, somebody's going to fall. Somebody's going to not meet expectations. Is there a team in your mind in the AFC that is most vulnerable to disappoint? Uh, I would say, like, the hype around the Jets, I would be careful. Uh, I would be careful because you have an older quarterback, a quarterback that's 40 years old. Uh, Yeah, a couple years ago, he had back-to-back MVPs. But last year, uh, he wasn't a world beater. And the only thing that I would say is with the Jets, the Jets haven't been to the playoffs in 12 years. Uh, It's been a long time since we've seen the Jets in the postseason. And so when Aaron Rodgers comes over, yes, he can give that knowledge and wisdom and expertise. But if they need him to carry them, I don't know if he's at this stage. So I worry about the Jets being celebrated as a a Super Bowl darling. 
Uh, you might want to go easy. They need the rest of the team to come up and make sure they hold their end of the bargain, not so much on Aaron Rodgers. Well, you know what the area where I love watching you most is you do an excellent job of breaking down the NFL draft. And, uh, you know, I'm already looking ahead. I love when you guys give the way too early um, predictions on these. But I, I tell you what, uh, there's some there's some ball players out of this next round. One of the guys we see in uh, in Ohio it would as Buckeye fans, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, him and the quarterback from USC, Caleb, uh, what's his name? Kate last name? Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams. And so, you know, when you talk about some of these prospects, are the, would those guys have been top names this year, or what are they kind of mixing? Because I've heard a lot of people talk about how dynamic the class is next year. Uh, there was conversation that if Caleb Williams was in this draft, he would be number one. And I think that's the expectation coming in in terms of quarterback play. Uh, he has been described, and I can kind of fall in line with it. They say he's very much like Pat Mahomes in terms of the magic that he brings to the town. Remember, Pat Mahomes at Texas Tech was a bit of a wild card, a gunslinger. He has kind of become the great Pat Mahomes that we've seen in the NFL. Well, they're talking about Caleb Williams being the Pat Mahomes that we're seeing. Uh, magical in terms of working off the script, but also discipline and detail when working on the script, the athleticism that you see, he can run it, he can throw it, he can do all these things. So he's the real deal. Drake May, coming from North Carolina, I'm partial because that's my school. Uh, haven't played there. I know his dad. His dad was uh, just graduated before I got to Chapel Hill. And Drake May is legit. Uh, he is the prototypical franchise quarterback that everybody wants. Outstanding kid, great football character, a ton of talent, has uh, – underrated athleticism. Remember, he comes from a family full of ballers. Uh, his older brothers played basketball. Luke May played basketball at Chapel Hill. He had another brother play baseball at Florida. So he gets it and thrives on the big stage. And so those quarterbacks are excellent. The wide receiver, Marvin Harrison Jr., man, I don't even know what to say because when you think about the players that have come out of Ohio State, the wide receivers in particular, I mean, they have produced A-level NFL players. Well, Marvin Harrison Jr. may be the best one that we've seen come out of there. You can talk about the pedigree with his Hall of Fame dad, but he's different than his dad because he has supersized physical dimensions. He has playmaking ability. He has done it uh, in a major way already. This year should be fascinating to watch him continue to grow. Uh, man, people loosely talked about him being a top 10 last year when you just laid eyes on him. Maybe he's the next wide receiver that we go into the top five. For anyone out there who doesn't know, and I just learned this right now, I didn't realize Drake May was Luke May's little brother. Like, Luke May, the guy with the game-winning shot in the national championship yeah. for UNC. I didn't realize that was his little brother. Yeah, this brother. is his brother. I was this years old, this minute old when I found out. Uh, for anyone out there that doesn't know, Bookie, uh, Bucky, you pray, played in the league for five different teams. You had two stints in Green Bay. You were a defensive back. And we had Greg Newsom, Browns defensive back, on the show earlier this week. And he talked about the, the scheme change between Joe Woods last year Jim Schwartz this year, how Jim Schwartz has him playing in all these different roles. He didn't like playing in the slot last year because he was essentially a run-stopping guy and he's more of a pass coverage guy. From your experience in the NFL, how much can a defensive coordinator and schematically speaking change the way certain players are utilized, especially in the secondary for a guy like Newsom or Denzel Ward or Martin Emerson Jr.? I mean, it, it can matter a ton. It depends on the philosophy of the coordinator. Um, look, man, this game is about players, not plays. Your job as a coordinator is to take your players and put them in the best spot where they can make all the plays. And so whatever playbook that you bring to the table, that's great. You have to take the, the scheme that you want to use, but you want to make sure that you're enhancing the skills of the talent that you inherit. And so when I look at the secondary and Denzel Ward and uh, Newsom and those guys like, talented enough to do a bunch of different things, whether it's man, whether it's zone, playing inside and outside, sometimes for high end players, you got to challenge them in a different way. And if you give them a little more ownership, it makes them respond at a higher level. And so I would assume because Jim Schwartz has been around great players for a long time, he's going to challenge those guys to kind of up the ante a little bit, put a little more on their plate, maybe have them take some ownership in the play calls, some automatic front and coverages where based on the formation or the team they're playing, they may check the certain things upon site. So that allows the players to have more ownership. And normally you get more buying, you get more buying, you get better production. Bucky, I'm just wondering, 
obviously it feels like there's a lot of pressure on everybody in Cleveland to win this year. Kevin Stefanski, Andrew Barry, there could be a lot of changes if this thing goes sideways. Around the league, what's the view of, of Kevin in terms of a head coach? I've become sort of the Kevin apologist. I really like him. I think he's really good. I think he's gotten the most you can get out of the quarterbacks he's been given. But I'm just wondering the temperature of him around the league. How is he viewed? I mean, I, th- I think everyone views him as a solid coach. Obviously, you can't have the success that he had early on without being a solid uh, play caller and organizer in those things. Now, what everyone wants to know is, does he have the ability to take a talented roster and make them a great team? That is hard because you can have all these talented individuals, but can you get them to play together? Can you keep them in line? Can you make sure that everyone's getting the ball when they need to touch it? Is Nick Chubb getting his touches? Amari Cooper, what about David Njoku? That's a lot to manage as a coach. And then when you're the coach and you're the offensive play caller, do you have enough about you to also pay attention to what the defense is doing? And so in the role that he's at when he's the offensive play caller, he needs an experienced defensive coach so he basically can have Jim Schwartz be the head coach of the defensive side of the ball. So now he can focus his sights on making sure that the offense is operating at a high level, and then he comes back and kind of manages from afar. And so sometimes, man, as a young head coach, a new head coach, it takes you a while to figure out, here are my strengths as a coach, here are my weaknesses, make sure that I have my staff comprised of enough guys that really enhance my strengths and kind of minimize some of the weaknesses that I may have as an overseer. When you're talking about roster building and and turning great players into a great team, they're going to the Greenbrier in West Virginia for a week or so at the start of camp. How much of that is hokey, silly, and how much of that can legitimately help the culture? Uh, it can legitimately help because what you're trying to do is eliminate the distractions. And so we all love our families and all that other stuff. But what you want to do is as you're building the team, you want guys to have to spend that that time together 24-7, being around each other, figuring out how people tick, having those intimate conversations in meeting rooms about your why. Why do you play the game? What is what is it bigger than just uh, the check? Can you get everyone to kind of buy into this stuff that you were trying to do in a high school level, but now you're doing it with pros and you're doing it with grown men. And so sometimes you want to get away from everything so you can go back to the essence of why you play the game and why you're putting the team together so that guys can play for one another. Because if they're willing to play for one another, that connectivity, that continuity, that chemistry can lead to a lot of success. You know, Bucky, we we, we look at uh, traditional offense, Kevin Stefanski, a uh, lot of 12, 13 personnel, tight ends, and, and we ran the ball a lot. And I think that was because it worked to the skill set of what we had, Jacoby Brissett and then Baker Mayfield prior to that. Now that the, the offense is going to be a little more wide open, there's this natural progression to think that Nick Chubb and the running game will be minimized. However, you know, when you do have, you know, a, a, a passing quarterback, um, we think that the run game can help the quarterback, but also a good quarterback can help the run game. Um, how is he, how, how could, uh, you know, Nick Chubb be folded into this offense? And what does Deshaun Watson mean for a running game that may have lighter boxes because of the threat of the run with Deshaun Watson in his arm? You know, so it'll be interesting to see how Kevin Stefanski plays this out. So if you go back to the essence of what Stefanski is, he is a loose disciple of Mike Shanahan by way of Gary Kubiak, where if you go back and look at Gary Kubiak, they're going to run the football. They're going to run the football. They're going to hit it with outside zone. They're going to stress the defense. They're going to complement that with bootleg and misdirection, play action to get shots. And so even though this offense may appear to be more wide open, is deeply rooted in the run game and play action. And so uh, if they're at their best, I think you will see a mix of some of the stuff that San Francisco has been able to do with the run game and how they're able to get the ball to the playmakers on the outside. Uh, You'll see some shot zone stuff where they try and push the ball down the field while everyone is kind of lured to the line of scrimmage to deal with Nick Chubb. And then I think they will play a pick-your-poison game. Do you want to deal with Nick Chubb or do you want to deal with Deshaun Watson? But early in the year opposing defenses are going to test Deshaun Watson to see if he's all the way back. If he can show opposing defenses that he's all the way back, then later in the year, you'll see Nick Chubb get loose. But early, look for teams to really challenge Deshaun Watson and see if he can return to the player that he once was. And if he proves that, then you'll see Nick Chubb go crazy at the end of the year, racking up 100-yard games. 
Bucky, we got two questions left. The first one comes from our producer. Hey, Bucky, first off, man, thank you for joining us on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. You know, we professionals around here. We don't do uh, fanboy activity, but I got to give you your flowers. Uh, you're one of, my, one of my favorite analysts, man. I, I have a lot of respect for your work. I, I can see the passion. I can see the integrity that goes into everything that you do. So it's an honor to have you on our show. Speaking of your work, can you tell us about the uh, Mood of Sticks podcast? I haven't had a chance to it's watch phenomenal. the episode from uh, or listen to the episode from yesterday about the top 10 corners. But how much fun are you having doing that podcast? Uh, it's been great. You know what I'm saying? Like DJ and I go way back. We were uh, scouts together. Like when I man, I, I was just in the business. And so we had a friendship. That friendship has kind of played out on wax with the podcast. And I think now, because we have so many years together, we can finish each other's sentences. And the great thing is we can have disagreements in terms of team building philosophy or the way that we view players, but we always are able to kind of give different perspectives. And so, look, man, I like uh, the podcast space. I think we've done a really good job kind of finding our lane. And so I expect us to continue to do great stuff. But now it's a ton of fun to be able to talk about the game, uh, to talk about it uh, and take some of the stuff that we've learned from great coaches, great uh, executives and team builders and kind of share with the masses. Uh, I think that's been the best part of the gig. Yeah, Earl's right. The Move the Sticks podcast with Bucky Brooks, Daniel Jeremiah, one of the best in the business and one of the most entertaining podcasts. Bucky, thanks again for coming on. We'll get you out of here on this. But we had this discussion, I would say, three weeks ago before the show. And it's a bunch of guys who did not play in the NFL. Tyvis wasn't here, so he did play, but he wasn't here. Who the second best cornerback of all time was? We all agreed it was Dion. But the four of us Ooh. sitting here were going back at who was number two. Now, you played Ooh. the position in the league, so I'm curious your take. Second best. If Dion's one, Ooh. who's number two? Let's make sure you believe Dion's yeah, one. Assuming you think Dion's uh, right, one. Right, right. <laughs> like oh, no, no. I, gosh, man, I would, I would say he's certainly, he's certainly number one. But, man, there's so many guys because there's so many different ways that you can think about it. From a legacy perspective, I think you would have to put Mel Blunt up there from the Pittsburgh Steelers because I thought of I'm glad you said that he changed he changed the game like he changed where they used to could bump up and down the field uh they had to put the five yard rule in because Mel Blunt and I don't know if you've ever had a chance to stand beside him Mel Blunt is every bit of six three uh 200 plus pounds with these long arms where he could choke you out uh he would be up there Mike Haynes from the Raiders would be in the conversation as someone that wants to uh as someone that is also Gosh, a gold jacket guy. I mean, there's so many guys that you can list. I will say as a for a younger guy, I had a chance to play with Charles Woodson. He was on and man, there are not many guys who could do the things that he could do very early in his career, just on instincts, intelligence, and just I would say bold arrogance. Uh, he's one of the best I've ever seen in terms of just believing that he's great and I'm gonna go make plays because I think I'm great and you're gonna find out that I'm great. And I would just be amazed at the stuff that he would do between the lines. Yeah, he was on uh, a couple other names that were thrown around was Rod Woodson, uh, uh, no. Darrell Revis. Oh, man. Mel Blunt was up there. Yeah. Um, oh, we, we had fun with the conversation. And Tyvis, who's not here today. Tyvis was clearly on the list, Yeah, right? well, we have a guy in the show. He, he rotates <laughs> in. Uh, well, do, do you remember Tyvis Powell? He played at Ohio State. He was the uh, national I do, I do, I do. He yeah, throws, I do, I do in. remember twice a week here. Uh, do you remember your scouting report on Tyvis? Because we'll definitely tell him. Like, please tell us you were – in his mind, he was I the wish. number one overall prospect in the class, <laughs> and he was a travesty he went undrafted. But I, I, I wish that I could pull out an old report on Tyvis. I don't have a report, but uh, it's funny because here's the thing, and I can agree with Tyvis. We are always legends in our own mind right. as the years get away from when we play. Like, it is, it is always great. The only thing that brings you back to reality is when you watch those old highlights and you look at those big old shoulder pads and you're like, you know what? I might not have been as sweet as I thought, but I'm going to let people think that I was a great player back in the day. Yeah, Tyvis, we have the tr- that's his uh, national championship MVP trophy. <laughs> yeah, he, in, in studio. In studio. He, he doesn't let us forget yeah, that. Yeah, in uh, studio. Yeah, so he, Tyvis is a great guy. Unbelievable. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yep. That's so. an unbelievable flex. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to bring my trophy and oh. try it. <laughs> 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 
And just let it. It's like his business card. <laughs> he's, he's, on, he's on two days a week, Bucky. We do five days, ten hours a week. He's on four of the ten hours, but we cannot do a show without his trophy in the background. Bucky Brooks, the legend. Thank you for coming on. Appreciate you, you Bucky. If you ever want to come back. Hey, come man, thanks for having me, guys. It was an honor. Thank you, man. Hey, appreciate you, man. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. Awesome. Thank you, Bucky. Man, he was he's great. He's phenomenal. He's great. Yeah. I've read a lot of his stuff. I listen to the podcast. Obviously, some podcasts have video components. I'm sure theirs does. I haven't seen him much on camera, but he got as well spoken as anyone we've had on. That, that was awesome. And I, you know what I like about him the, the most? Like keeps it real. He like he's a player, right? But I respect anybody that can go from being a player to then putting himself back in the game and saying. I want to learn to be a scout. Yep. And then I'm going to, I don't, I'm, gonna, I'm not just going to say I'm a player. I know what I'm talking about. So we learned to be a scout. Denny's an analyst, learned to get the TV game, podcast game. You know, that that's, that's very impressive because a yep. lot of people feel like they can just skip ranks and not do, he's put the work in and you could tell because he's, the way he talks about these is just off the top, just like a computer. And some of the insight, like the, your question about Miles Garrett yeah. and his referencing back to Julius Peppers, Peppers like, yeah. It's one thing for us to sit up here and say, hey, we've seen these all-time greats. For him to be on the coaching staff watching it and for him to say, Julius made it look so easy, we always just thought there was more. Right. Like, that's, that's essentially <laughs> right. what we were saying, but right. I didn't know how to word it that eloquently. Yeah. Well, I don't want to say this earlier because I have the bingo card drink. I'm going to mention LeBron. Yeah. Even though I don't ever mention LeBron, everybody else brings him up to me. <laughs> this time I will mention him. That's what he always got annoyed about because I, I remember I went at him in Indiana before in the playoff games this last year. And I said, you're not giving that. Like, you're pouting over the roster. I don't know what it is, but you're not giving that. And I know it when I see it. And you're not giving it in this series. And he said, it's because I spoil y'all. Like, yeah. what do you want from me? Well, but it's it's that. It's, it's we, we laughed about it in game two of the finals, or three of the finals, when Jokic had 31-20-10. And, and, and I left the game being like, he put out. Yeah. Like, he yeah. put out for, obviously, a historic stat line, but he missed a bunch of bunnies. He could have had more assists because some guys missed some shots. And I was yeah. like, yeah, he played good. And he has the, one of the greatest stat lines in the history of the NBA. LeBron, 20, he essentially patented the 27-7-7. Seven, seven, yep. yeah, like which, you know, he still has never gotten in a game. He's never actually seven, had 27-7-7 seven. Seven, seven in a game. That's pretty funny. That's that. funny. But LeBron, that was, he woke up, rolled out of bed, got 27-7-7. Seven, seven, yeah. seven. We were like, yeah, he played okay. Yeah. 99.9% .9 of the league, a 27-7-7 seven, seven, seven is the greatest day of their career. <laughs> and it's just a different standard we yep. look at, guys. Like, yep. It's like supermodels. Like, you'd be like, you look at a supermodel, and they won't have makeup on or whatever. And you'd be like, oh, she's looking bad today. You'd be like, no, 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 no. She looks better than your wife at the, her best. Yeah. Like, and you, but, and, but you, you'd be like, and you married her forever. You said you give her everything. And that woman, you can't say she looked terrible. Julius Peppers, he's the first guy I ever seen. I used to be a defensive end and I had body shaming. Like, I was like, I don't have abs. I was small, but I didn't have, I was like, bro, these defensive ends is looking like bodybuilders now. He's the first dude who had pads on that looked like he was outside playing basketball in a hoop jersey and shorts. Yeah. Full equipment. I'm like, this dude looks so, uh, I'm like, yo, he moves different. He, he feel like he ain't even restricted. He picked the football up and just run away from people. I'm like, that's a defensive end. I'm never doing that. That's the difficult thing when you talk about these specimens. Like the yeah, Miles and, Garrett. and real last one point of Miles Garrett, then Earl, you got to read. When he came to A&M, he looked like he does now. He was 250. Oh. They changed at Texas A&M. Um, this is a true story. They changed their lifting regiments and like body fat stuff to be like, all you juniors and seniors, this is an 18-year-old true freshman. Y'all got to try looking like him. Like He's yeah. not trying to look like you guys. He stepped into A&M day one, broke all their strength records. Wow. All their strength and they had Von, And they had Von Miller. And Von Miller was like, yeah, we got to. Yeah. And then it was like, no, we got yeah. a new wave. Yeah. This is a mouse scare. It's 1233. <clears> and you know what that means, Earl? That's right, man. That means the 12 o'clock lunch hour is brought to you by Call It Companies Championships. Get to see your favorite golf legends play in the Call It Companies Championships July 12th through the 16th at the famous Firestone Country Club. It's fun, family-friendly events all week long featuring a new fan-zone experience, free attendance for kids, and concerts every single night. This That's is crazy. something for everyone. Learn more at callitgolf.com. And, of course, before we talk Cleveland Guardians, this portion of the show – it's brought to you by the USFL. Make sure you get out there. It's only a few, few games left. Uh, I heard you get, uh, what, $10 tickets, dollar dogs, dollar sodas. And, of course, yeah. you get to see our homeboy, Boogie, uh, out there doing this thing. So 
Shout out to the USFL. Boogie plays the New Jersey Generals this Saturday in Canton, Tom Benson Stadium. Winner goes to the playoffs, loser's out. And so. Jason guaranteed a win. <laughs> According to Jason what is Lloyd, up with G and this guaranteed he went wins, guaranteed the dub. I, well, painful transition here, but if we're guaranteeing something that the Guardians offense, after looking really good for six days, is going to come back and just go completely MIA. Yeah. It was an ugly game in San Diego last night. They lose 5 nothing. The Guardians had five hits, all five singles, no extra base hits. They gave up three home runs. Uh, who wants to start? <laughs> I love and it. there you have it. <laughs> then, then, other than that. Uh, you know, part of this also, I think, San Diego is supposed to be one of the best teams in the league, and I think they're starting, they're finally to, playing better. They're starting yeah. to feel themselves a little bit. I think they've won five of six now and seven of ten. And they are playing better. Waka was good last night. Although, let's not make Michael Waka out to be. He's been good this year, but he's not young. great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's it's frustrating to watch these guys right now. There's no question. I just, just when you think they get their legs under them, they snap an ankle again. So I watched about five innings in the game yesterday before I passed out, and then I was looking at the box score this morning. And the top four hitters in San Diego's lineup, and this is why we expected them to be really good this year, and they've been very mediocre. Fernando Tatis, Juan Soto. Manny Machado and Xander Bogarts. Not repeat, bad. I'm going to repeat that. Fernando Tatis, Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Xander Bogarts. That's crazy. All those guys are $300 million players. That's not a joke. They're literally, those combined are $1.2 billion worth of offense. They hit three home runs. Their first three hitters, leadoff, second, third, all hit a home run yesterday. The Guardians hit five singles. The Guardians offense is like playing with fire. Sometimes it'll work. You're going to burn yourself a lot of times. And at the end of the day, I'm not sure how we can say this time after time, day after day, week after week. Winning without power in the MLB in today's day and age is insustainable. It can work for a week. You get hot. We saw over the homestand. Naylor was hot. Brennan was hot. Jimenez was hot. Jose was hot. Naylor was scorching hot. And when you have a bunch of guys get hot, they hit a bunch of singles, doubles every once in a while, you can score some runs. But in totality, over 162 games. It is not a sustainable formula to win. You know why this is this is just this is great because I love I think this is the like when you talk about mar marketing and you talk about business, the Guardians slide on a lot of things, and you know why they slide on a lot of things is because you really like them. Yeah, they are just so likable. They the, the front office gives you, you quotes. We love them. They 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 they're nice. They talk. They're business-minded. The team is a full of a, a bunch of nice guys, right? And if you think of it, like you think about it, it really puts you on. It really puts you on the like. You, you always think, Nah, I shouldn't do that. Come on, I'm being too hard on them. Yeah, it's a long season. I'm being too hard. You know, up oh, they got the bats together the other day, and I think that's also a product of how long the season is because people can't be outraged every third day. You just can't muster it, like. We, we, like during presidential elections, right? People used to do stuff crazy every day. You'd be like, but I can't, I can't call it out. I just can't call it out no more. Yeah. Just, just let them go. This, this ain't that bad. So you can't call out the Guardians bats every day. They just lose five yeah. nothing, and you kind of like, okay, well, let's see if they'll win tomorrow. And that's what they are. They, I, but it's it's brilliant. It's brilliant marketing. I love it. And they, well, so we have this conversation back in the production room after every show. How are we going to talk about the Guardians tomorrow? Right. <laughs> and last year, last season, we went back and looked at all our rundowns. We constantly do, what are we talking about today? And let's rewind the year see what we talked about. We didn't talk Guardians every day. So it made it easy once or twice a week to be like, oh, their bats are going cold. We had, the Sean, we had the Sean Watson and that whole saga. We had Baker Mayfield and that whole saga. Right. And we were a brand new show. We had like six guests a day. And we were like, oh, yeah, that's how we got through all this Guardians <laughs> oh, day-to-day -day talk. That's what Because we, we didn't talk doing. Guardians every day. Mm. And now I feel bad for Zach Meisel. I feel bad for the Guardians beat writers. I, I don't know how on a day-to-day -day basis, because nothing changes game to game. Like, they could, they could be hot one game, and we come back, and is it, hey, are they World Series contenders? The answer's still and no. And at least McNuggets, they had young guys last year that didn't expect to do nothing. Yeah. So when they when they overachieved or all of them played well, you still got that warm and fuzzy feeling, even if they weren't hitting a couple days. And the worst part, they're still going to win the division. And I guess that's the best part and the worst part. They're still going to win the division because the AL Central is an absolute cluster truck. You see what I did, Steve? I <laughs> cluster say truck. Like well done. They, you, you got them winning the divisions? No, I'm, I'm not. Really? I'm not convinced. I just think this is one of those years where it just seems everything is just, just going against you. 
and it's hard it's hard for me to sit here today and say they're going to win the division. But having said that, Tito's teams play their best ball in July and August. Yeah. So I still think the best is yet to come. Whatever that is, whatever form that takes, whatever that looks like for this team, I do think their their best is in front of them still because just historically speaking, that's how it's always gone. But it's hard to feel like this team has any sort of run in them at this point. It is what it is. They feel lifeless. And not the team in Jeebus, sorry to cut you off. No. But like. If a basketball team's, I'm going to use a kid's word, you ready? If a basketball team's mid, yeah. at least they have, like, that one guy you go and you could see LaMelo Ball. The Hornets were terrible, but, like, LaMelo Ball could put up a triple-double and, and, inter- and be entertaining. Yeah. No one, has- no one wants to see, or no one wants to go to a basketball game and watch Cody Zeller make layups. <laughs> and that's, honest to goodness, what it you feels say, like. You say watching- they got a bunch of Cody Zellers? Look, they just got through to it singles, and a, the equivalent in single is a guy in basketball who doesn't dunk, doesn't shoot threes, and has, like, a halfway decent drop step and layup. Like, Al Jefferson was an all-star. You could be wow. really good and not be exciting. Wow. They just got a bunch a of dudes reference. who aren't exciting. And even, like, Shane Bieber, who's an ace, or, you know, is, is going to get paid like an ace and is a former Cy Young winner. He's had two games this year with over eight strikeouts, even, like, on the pitching side of things. What's the most exciting play in pitching? A strikeout, right? A hit, hit batter. Well, okay, yeah, I'm saying like, a good thing. A, a good thing. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right, but right. in a good way. And, like, yeah, they have guys, Savali, like his over-under on strikeouts yesterday was four and a half. When Bobby pitches, he's still a young guy. His over-under is like five and a half. When Scherzer, who's not having a good beer, or Verlander, or DeGrom, their over-under strikeout is like 10 and a half, 11. So even, like, it's just hard to get excited when it's not an exciting product on the field. I'm sorry that was a rant, and maybe it made no sense. No, but Nah, I was going to ask Jason because, you know, obviously baseball is his favorite sport. So the way it's set up is the, the Guardians will always be in contention, basically, unless, I don't know, unless, you know, there's a pretty good chance they'll always be in contention based on where they play. So that means they'll probably make the playoffs, but not really be able to make any noise. Will there ever be a time where you say, coming into that season, they got to win the World Series or make it to the World Series, or I'm going to be pissed? I don't think it's ever going, the way it's set up, I don't think there's ever going to be a time because there's too many things baked in the cake. The one thing is that you know they're not going to spend a lot of money. Two, if they do have a bunch of players that actually turn really, really good, they can't keep them. Three, the division is mid. And even if you do win a division, you still got to go play the monsters with all the bats and all the money. So is there ever a time you get this small gratification? It's like, it's, it's just, I guess it's like, you know, I don't know, hanging, going on a, uh, a date with your cousin, but start cousin. <laughs> it, I don't know. About I don't, I, you, <laughs> you had me until the last line. <laughs> I was following so well too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like, yeah I think. I mean, it's been 70-plus years since they won a World Series. Every year should be this is the year to try and win the World Series. Every year, it's, you know, seven decades later. But I do wonder if payroll plays into expectations with this team because, I mean, the Cavs a couple years ago, it was championship or bust. Yes. There is no doubt about it. If you don't win a championship, it is a disappointment. We're starting to get there with the Browns. What you mean? Look, to this year, the, the pre- this is the most pressure I've felt in a long time. Yeah, I don't Browns. know that it's championship or bust with the Browns, but it's, it's, damn well, good. it's playoffs. It's be damn good or yeah, bust. It's, yeah, and, and with the Guardians, it's always viewed differently, and I think because baseball is its own beast with 162 games and with the fact that it's a little bit harder to make the postseason. I know it feels like the Guardians make the playoffs every year, but they really don't. Yeah. Uh, the White Sox should be better than what they are. The Tigers used to spend a ton of money. They really don't anymore. The Twins are what they are. But I, and I, I think that you look at the Guardians and you go, well, they can't really compete with the Yankees and the, and the Dodgers and these big spending teams. But yet you look at what the, what the Rays are doing with a young roster in a, in a smaller payroll. So it is possible. But I just don't think that we ever really view – I mean, in the 90s we did. In the 90s it was – the expectation was a World Series. Mm-hmm. But it just hasn't felt that way. I agree for the last 20-so years it hasn't felt like it's championship or bust with the Guardians. And – I think there's a lot of factors that go into that. You look at yeah, it's never like it's never like when the Guardians lose in the playoff, you don't get that like the gut punch you got from the Cavs, right? You you don't have the same. Well, thing I think six, I think the Game Seven loss in 2016 was a gut punch to to true Guardians fans. There's oh a, yeah 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 that, there, that one yeah. There's yes. a lot of Cleveland sports fans who are just Cleveland sports fans 
who were like, eh, we, we had the Cavs, you know, yeah. sucks they <laughs> lost, but we just we just came off a championship yeah. celebration. I saw somebody at Target do that same thing right there. But the true heart, like the, then there's hardcore Guardians fans who are devastated yeah. by 2016. And the thing with baseball and small market teams in particular is you have to have so many stars align at yeah. once. And you see it happen, it happens for the, the Guardians Indians in 2016. Happened for the Royals right before that. The Nationals. It, the Nationals. It happened. It's happening for the Rays right now, and the Rays have been able to sustain this for a couple of years, which might be the craziest thing in all of sports. Because you look at their lineup and pitching staff year to year, even from 2020 to 2021, 21 to two, 22 to this year, they're almost essentially different teams. They have found ways to replicate and repeat. It's witchcraft. Rinse and repeat. It makes no sense. <laughs> it, no, it legitimately makes no sense how they just have guys in the farm system come up and immediately produce. But you look at, I'll use the Royals for an example, just so I know some of those names. But they had all these guys, Alex Gordon, Moustakis. Yeah. Hosmer. They, Hosmer. They still have Salvi Perez. He's the only guy left. But those guys were all on rookie deals before they got their big, big payday in their prime at once. In, in Cleveland, you had Lindor on that situation in 2016. Uh, give me some other names. That Brant, Brantley was like that. Uh who, who else got Frankie. paid Yeah, Frankie. Kipnis. Jose. Jose was young. So you have to have all these guys come together at the right time. Baseball is a year-to-year sport. There makes no sense why one guy hits 321 year and then 215 the next. And, and like Jimenez, for example, it's not like he forgot to play baseball. It's just a lot of it's luck and habits and yeah. circumstance. So everything has to align this year so far through 69, 70 games. Things haven't aligned. Doesn't mean it can't. They can get hot for the last 100 games of the season. It's unlikely, or 90 games of the season, uh, that everything's just going to snap on a finger and, and turn around. But in baseball with these small market teams, you have to be so lucky in the right place at the right time with the right people, the right manager. Everything has to break your way. And for the Guardians this year, it hasn't. Earl, what's up? So I uh, were out there discussing the Cleveland Guardians and the uh, San Diego Padres. Me and the USS, uh, UCSS family and, and Anthony, we back here having some fun, paying it forward. I want to shout out Phil, KR Thunder, Cody, and Grand Dog. We have had 16 gifted memberships, Damn. and the chatter is ha- having fun, trying to figure out who's going to pay it forward to next. Uh, but Cody is putting the UCSS uh, staff on notice. Earl of Pearl is the only one who's gifted memberships from the team. So Yeah, you go. we got to have a chat about that. <laughs> you got to chat with that because there's some time and stuff that we've talked about that you're forgetting here, Earl. Cody, he will not be the only one just timing-wise. Earl, yeah, have a well, little chat. Yeah, it's more to come. Stepping out of line here. Come on. And, and listen, man, it's, listen. It's, it's, it's more but to come But we appreciate here. everyone out there doing it. Y'all are, y'all are the best. We appreciate it, the it's, members. It's more what to we're come gonna here. Do, so we're going to get – we're going we're gonna to holler at Jay and uh, get to garnish some of his wages and, oh. and get some memberships. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, Jay need to sponsor 200 memberships in the chat. <laughs> you guys. But speaking of memberships. He did not read the email this morning, Earl. Killing me, bro. <laughs> killing me, bro. <laughs> killing me, bro. Well, we appreciate y'all. Just keep coming back. That's all we ask for. But speaking of memberships, here's our video to let people know what they get when you become a UCSS member. Attention all Cleveland sports fans. Are you tired of missing out on exclusive content and behind-the-scenes conversations? The Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show has got you covered. For less than $2 a month, you can become a Starters Tier member. You get custom emojis and badges that other people don't have. Or upgrade to the Big Time Coaches Tier. For less than 5 bucks a month, you get all the exclusive overtime content, things that those other suckers are not getting. Don't miss out on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show experience. God, I love Earl. Oops. <laughs> I, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I have no idea. You guys, I'll tell y'all. Hey, Earl's the best. We love the Pearl. Anthony Canaspelli can't spell, but he's the best too. And I'm watching that promo. And all I, do you guys remember Bull's beard? Like, yes. Bull has transformed in the last, we filmed that two months ago, three months ago. In the last 90-ish days, you know 90 Day Fiance? Yeah. You almost not. You, of course you know. Yeah. Bull's gone through like seven different looks in 90 days. <laughs> yeah. I he went from like that. the scraggly scruff to the full-on beard yeah. to the porn stash to yeah, the clean shave. Yeah. Now he's back it's like to the Baker, scruff. like Baker, shaving three times a day. Yeah, shaving yeah. all your, 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 your weird facial hair. He had the Unabomber going. <laughs> he had that joint. Matter of fact, he died the other day. The Unabomber? Take I, told, I totally missed that. Yeah, Unabomber died, bro. Oh, you don't listen to emails, but... 
you listen to your own heart for this top five. So you want to tell us what we're, uh, we're talking about for top five here? Yeah, it's time for the ultimate five. And what I decided to do was put together who I think the all-time NFL players are that are not a quarterback. Yes. We just talked to Bucky Brooks about his number two all-time. We're going to see. DB, I'm curious. I'm hoping Dion's on this list. Nah, we'll see if. He might not make it. We'll see what Earl thinks. All right, so number five. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion. He's a Super Bowl MVP. He's a two-time, he's a ten-time All-Pro and a two-time Defensive Player of the Year. Steve, take it. Ray, Ray, Lewis. Ray, Ray Lewis. Yeah, I mean, it, it, okay. any, anything with that? Okay. I, I, all I'm saying is, and I love Ray Lewis, but when we had London Fletcher on Earl, you you came at us. We're like, look, his numbers are just like Ray Lewis. No, it's, it's, is London Fletcher number four? No, 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 no. So no, this is what no, we no, doing no, for the last no. ten minutes of the show. Got just, it. Just say it. Just say it. You know what it is? What a Paul. He got. <laughs> I he, totally he, forgot you know, about he, that. Cleveland love. He's he he had he hit him with the old wow. Collinwood love. I'm just I'm just <laughs> Earl, Earl came in. He's like, look, you look at numbers side by side. Old Senate. The only wow. thing that's not there is a the Super Bowl. You, you, wow. know, you know you know Earl, the youngest member of the Senate League. Like Earl be Earl be going to like different. He be he's a Freemason. Freemason, <laughs> the Rotary Club. <laughs> no, but Ray wow. Lewis, all time great, first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, Care to see who else you have on the four, but. Ray Lewis, obviously one of the best football players to ever step All on right. this planet. I, I, I ain't got a problem with Ray. Yeah. All right, cool. Let's move on to number four. He's a two-time Super Bowl champ. He's an eight-time All-Pro, and he was the 1994 NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Man. We just talked about him with Bucky Brooks. Steve, take it. Prime time, baby. Yeah. Prime time. I yeah. I'm glad he, he's on my list. G. Yeah. 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 Change the game. Yeah. Yeah. Like Change it, how we view corners, like, I think. Like, this, this, for a while, like, Deion Sanders was a superstar. You could possibly never see him get the ball again. Yeah. Like, you just, he was just over there. They're like, Deion Sanders. I'm like, but he doesn't do anything. And on top of being a great cornerback, one of top two, three returners of all time, too. Oh, yeah. Like, Deion, Devin Hester may be the only guy you could put <sighs> in the same conversation with Deion for return artists, but elite Best cornerback ever and one of the two, three, maybe the best, best returner ever. Like, best nickname of best all nickname, time. Showboat, uh, trash talker. Yep. It just, as good as it gets. And the best recruiter of all time. I've never seen. Yeah. <laughs> and he yeah. wiped down a whole Colorado Buffaloes team and brought in 90 new recruits, all four and five stars. Do you think, hey, before we get to three, <laughs> real quick, do you think Deion's going to win at Colorado? You get enough players, sure. Like a win, like real win. They gonna beat USC? No, no. They won't. I, I think they'll be seven and four this year. He's a terrific recruiter, terrific recruiter. I think he still has to prove himself as a head coach at the highest level. Is that fair? Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he he fair. won in Jackson, at Jackson State at historic levels, but he also had the best talent. The and field. I want to see actually how good Shador Sanders yeah. is. It, it, I, I saw him play. I'm like, he might get drafted. And I mean, then it got to a point where I'm like. He might be pretty good. He's a top 150 recruit. Like he was, a, he was a highly yeah. take He's his a throw the ball. Take his last name out, and the fact his dad was at Jackson State. Like he had offers to essentially anywhere he wanted to go. So he, he he's a legit, ball. he's legit spinning. baller. Yeah, he's spinning. Earl, who's up next? He's a three-time Super Bowl champion. He's a Super Bowl MVP. He's an NFL MVP. He's a two-time NFL Offensive Player of the Year. Steve, take it. The original goat. Jerry, Jerry Rice. Rice. Yeah. He had had to be on there. Yeah. Had to be on yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. I put the gold on there. I don't care so much the order. I just care the names and yeah. so far. Three I, for three. Would you would you take Randy Moss over Jerry Rice? No. Jason said I'm three for three. That's all I heard. <laughs> <laughs> would you take Selective Jerry Rice listening over is the right Randy way to Moss. have as a producer. Would I take Jerry Rice over Randy Moss? Randy, that is so hard. Randy yeah. Moss is the only dude I know that turned his name into an adjective. Getting mossed. Yeah, get it, get just, it. Getting rice does not sound just right. Yeah, no one got freak. riced. Just a physical freak. Has there Moss. ever been a position? This actually, I, you guys may know better than me. <laughs> they set something on that fire was, back that there. That was the funniest. Director Steve says, made. "Listen, Director Steve's low key hysterical back there." And I know that reaction Earl <laughs> had means Director Steve just said something. Somebody just weird. fell out of the chair. I think <laughs> it was almost Earl. Has there ever been two players, one and two at their position, who had different styles but were equally great in their own way? Like 
Randy Moss, obviously, elite deep threat, physical specimen. Jerry Rice, the tactician, best hands ever. Yeah, Kobe and LeBron. But they are not true. I, I they guess got two different styles. Kobe's a post guy, he, big range game. He didn't have that much athleticism. LeBron was big freight train. But I guess like Barry Sanders, Jim Brown, you could yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a dumb question. Yeah. Sorry. Next dumb question. Sorry. What is what is Steve? What does Steve say? I gotta get him my stick. I gotta get him yeah, the sticks. What is, what is, what is y'all text us? No one got riced. Uh, oh man. That's Steve. Come on, bro. Leon Sanders. <laughs> Come on, bro. <laughs> I'm not, because we I'm are, not repeating that. Nope, I ain't either. No, nope. and Steve's brother's here. Steve, you said that with your brother in attendance. That is, how dare you? Uh, oh, man. It was funny. To Steve, I, I can't say it. We'll get canceled. All right. Yeah. Number two, he's a two-time Super Bowl <laughs> champion. Jason, I hope I'm four for four right here. He's an NFL MVP. He's a 10-time pro bowler. He's a 10-time all-pro player. He's a three-time NFL defensive player of the year. I think he's the greatest Defensive player to ever play in the NFL. Steve, take it as one. The original ALT. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I had him as one, so I'm curious who you have. Oh, I know who he's got at one. Is it uh, someone hasn't mentioned the show yet before? Well, I I think I know. I don't actually know. I think I have a good hankering who's going to be number one. Lord, Lord. Offensive or defensive player? Offensive. Yeah, I, you know who it is. No, uh, no, but no, Lord, Lawrence, it is. Lawrence Taylor, is uh, he changed the game. Yeah. He started everybody being Thundercats. Like you, you Gifford's alignment was big. He is a Thundercat coming off the end and just basically doing whatever he wants. And I think I know who number one is. Wait, don't go. Steve, pull up number two again real quick. We we're gonna have Gabe Pruitt or Greg Pruitt, excuse me, on the show last week. And I wanted to ask him about the giant shoulder pads they wore in the seventies and the eighties. Yeah. And that's not a great picture of LT with the giant shoulder pads. But gee, you played. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Was it hard to move when you had shoulder pads that were six feet off your Man, body? Man, we had the crazy deck rolls too on the back <laughs> of it, so I looked like I looked like somebody from the Monsters, bro. <laughs> like it was, I'm like, dang, you you big right that you intimate, but yeah, the back okay. then, nowadays the least amount like nowadays it's all people only wear wear and it's leg crazy, pads. yeah, like. And you wonder why you hurt? They don't. We used to have butt pads, <laughs> butt pads, hip pads, side pads, all the pads. We had all of them, and it was terrible. And they used to always slide down because you know you didn't lift your legs. They just slide down <laughs> like mayonnaise. I know what Jason was going to say. I like read, what? I read his dirty mind. <laughs> you, you know I didn't say a word. Leave me out of this. <laughs> you know what mayonnaise, you put mayonnaise on anything, it just slides off. Like it doesn't stick. I've never put mayonnaise on anything but a sandwich. It slides off. <laughs> what else have you been putting mayonnaise on, G? <laughs> right, Jay, That's listen, a very good question, Jason. <laughs> you could put it on, you could put them on meat. Paul, see, this is this is why y'all try to get <laughs> walked right into that one. Sure and, and Just walked down. right into that. All right, Earl, who's your number one player of all time? That's not a quarterback. The number one all-time player that is not a quarterback. He's an NFL champion. He's a three-time NFL MVP. He's a nine-time NFL All-Pro. He's a nine-time Pro Bowler. He's the only player that's on the NFL 50th, 70th, 75th, and 100th. Anniversary team. He's the late great legend, Jim Brown. Yeah, that yep. was that was a slam yep. dunk. Obvious. Yep. yep. I think. I, it, good list. Good list. Good Very list. Good list. Uh, Very I'm good sure, list. Any list on this has to have Jim Brown, Lawrence Taylor, Jerry Rice, and Dion. And Dion. And, and the I, fifth spot is debatable. Yeah, I I was gonna say exactly the same yeah. thing. But the greatest middle linebacker uh, to, for me, the greatest middle linebacker of all time. I mean, Mike Singletary might want to have a conversation about that, but. I would take Ray. Don't want to see him in a club in Atlanta after midnight but on a football field. Reg, Reggie White was up there for me. Reggie White's as, as up a there. guy you could put yeah. in that conversation. Yeah. Uh, Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders. Yes. Some of the running backs that we've talked about. Uh, Walter Payton. Ray, hell, if you wanted to argue Randy Moss, I don't think it's. I think you can make an argument that he's in that conversation. Earl, who else was on that honorable mention list in in the discussion when you were making this 
uh, list up with Ray Lewis for that fifth spot. So I had to keep my personal bias out of it because I believe my the all-time list that I put together is totally different from my favorites list. Okay. Right? So if I would have been thinking with my heart, Randy Moss would have been on that list. Uh, Ed Reed probably would have been on that list. Uh, Rod kids, Wilson yeah. would have been on that list. Yep. So it, it was a lot of guys that was clamoring from that uh, fifth spot, and I know – Ray Lewis is not a properly choice, proper popular choice here in Cleveland, but uh, he's that dude for real. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's hard to argue that he certainly is in that conversation, whether he's five, six, seven, or wherever you want to put him. Uh, you got one more thing, Earl? No, we got one minute to go. Uh, we overtime is coming up next. Yeah, tell tell people the topic again. So the topic is McNuggets has a nickname. I have a nickname, which is Pearl. And we got to get the other guy that's behind the glass a nickname. He cannot just go by Anthony no. or Ant. We got to spice this up a little bit. We sent it out there to the community tab, to the to the UCSS members. We got 16 new UCSS members. Go in there as fast as you can and drop a nickname suggestion for one Anthony, the graphic man, <laughs> Antonelli. Yeah, we got some good ones already. I can't see what else y'all come up with. That's it for today. We are back tomorrow, and we'll see you all in about three minutes on Overtime. Peace. Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.